And I think that's that's the exact image that that song brings to my head is that you're in a race and you're about to pass the baton back and then the person behind you just got to grab it and they got to, you know, it's just kind of, that is this entire life until Christ returns. You know, yeah. you and I would not, I'll get emotional. <laughs> you and I <laughs> would not be Christians if somebody wasn't running the race before us and giving yeah. You know what I'm saying? If someone hadn't delivered the good news to us the way they had received it, you know, as Paul says in his letter, we wouldn't be Christians. There would be no him partial, sad news, <laughs> but it wouldn't, <laughs> more importantly, we wouldn't have new life. And we're back with another episode of Him Partial, the podcast where we talk all things church music. I'm Monet Funka. And I'm Kyra Devereaux. And today we're going to be looking at the hymn, Facing the Task Unfinished. But before we jump in, we just want to say the last few months have been fantastic. We've really enjoyed this podcast, getting to know all of you from all over the world. And if you have enjoyed this podcast as well, I know we're always telling you to like and subscribe, but really it would be fantastic if you could share this episode. If you think someone else might be encouraged or interested in some of the topics that we mentioned, go ahead and share this episode. We really hope that our impartial family will grow and we'll be able to get to know more and more of you. Yep, that's right. It's been a real joy to get to know some of you guys over the last few months and we're uh, really excited to keep going. So this week we've got a hymn that most people don't know or didn't know until the Gettys recently revived it. Um, a lot of hymns we've looked at have talked about the gospel and salvation and who God is, but this one is a really stirring song written to remind us of our responsibility as Christians to share the gospel. Mm -hmm. So this week we are looking at Facing a Task Unfinished. This is a song that I love so much that the first time I heard it, I decided that I'd go away and memorize it. Wow. Um, is it one you're familiar with, Monet? Yes. Um, we were mentioning before the episode that uh, before we started recording that really this is a song that comes out whenever... It's uh, like a missionary is visiting your church and then they're like, okay, guys, let's all sing it. Or uh, if if we're thinking about evangelism. But yeah, it is a great song. But again, there should be like a whole nother list of songs I only learned when I moved to Scotland. This is one of those songs. I think I only learned it when I came to Edinburgh, actually, which would be four, five years ago. So wow. it's fairly new to me, too. Mm -hmm. Um. It's an interesting one because it's actually written by a missionary. Okay, that makes yeah. sense to me. <laughs> it does. It's nice because, you know, he's he's writing this hymn about how we should spread the gospel. And he was a mm -hmm. guy who actually did. Mm -hmm. um, so one of the nice things is, like I said, that he practiced what he preaches. Um, mm -hmm. So the author is Frank Houghton or Houghton. I think it's Houghton. I don't know. I would say Houghton. Yeah. So his life spanned a really eventful 80 years. He was wow. born in Stafford in 1894. Mm -hmm. And at 17, him and one of his brothers were involved in a drowning accident in which they <gasps> nearly died. They didn't. They were fine. Um, but Frank Houghton, Houghton ended up with a problem with his lungs. It damaged them. The oh. water 
did some damage, which providentially meant that he wasn't fit for military service. So hmm. he missed out on conscription in both world wars. Wow. Yeah. But the brothers both believed that um, God had spared them in this accident thing, which is true. Um, <laughs> yeah, but that's not to say he wasn't affected by the outbreak of the First World War. A few years later, um, one of his brothers, Herbert, was killed during the Battle of the Somme. Um, I'm not familiar with battles. I'm just going to be under a sit on it. There were a lot, but the Battle of the Somme is one of the one of the kind of ones that people have memorials to and stuff. I want to say it was 1916, but it's been so long since I studied the First World War. I'm pretty sure it was in France as well. Wow. You can still go there um, and see it. I think there's a museum and stuff. Okay. Okay. But it was one of the biggest battles, and it was basically just a mass slaughter. Wow. So, yeah. Um, so since he couldn't go to war, he studied at London University and ended up ordained for Anglican ministry in 1917. Wow. Anglican. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is early 1900s, so I think There's it's still at a point where it's forgivable. Anglicans. There's some fantastic ones out there. <laughs> we love them, but these days they're wrong. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. So in 1920, mm. um, Houghton leaves the UK for China with the China Inland Mission. Okay. Do you know them? I'm I d- I'm not familiar with China Inland Mission, but I know of African Inland Mission, and I wonder if they're cousin organizations or branches of the same. I don't actually know. Because okay. um, I was like, oh, what is China Inland Mission? And I realized eventually that today it's known as OMF, uh, which is Overseas Mission Fellowship. Okay. But I never thought whether they were related with AIM. It might an interesting just, question. Yeah, it might be a coincidence, but it sounds it sounds familiar, but it might just sound familiar. <laughs> yeah. So back in the day, it was just China, um, and I th- think it might have been Hudson Taylor that set that up, hmm. but I might be wrong. <laughs> um, anyway, he, yeah, so it's, it's now OMF, um, mm-hmm. which is one of the kind of more widely known um, mission organizations in evangelical circles. Mm-hmm. Um, it's weird, though, because I don't know how many siblings he had. But at least three of them also became missionaries in China and wow. two ended up in Burma. Wow. Yeah. So they clearly had a, a vision as a family. Definitely. They, they, yeah, had a thing for the Far East. Mm-hmm. So three years after he moved to China, he married a British girl whose father was, I think, a bishop in China. He was some sort of Anglican ch- clergyman. Mm-hmm. So in 1928, he came home on furlough, I think, I'm not sure. Um, And that visit had to be prolonged because at that point, you're starting to get a rise in nationalism and Mm -hmm. you've got the beginnings of communism coming into China, um, which led to a lot of violence, particularly against religious communities. 
No, um, not communism against religious communities. They're so tolerant. Like, they why would love, they do that? Why would they? That never happens every single no. time. Oh, man. It's not violent. It's peaceful protests in that's China what it, in the 1930s. People didn't understand. <laughs> yeah, just misunderstood. Anyway, um, at that point, a few missionaries begin to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometime in that decade, Houghton became the general director of CIM. Mm-hmm. But by the late 40s, the missionaries are starting to leave because it's getting really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, like people are getting killed mm-hmm. and they're like, we need to go. Mm-hmm. But Houghton and a bunch of others are like, no, we're going to stay and we're going to see this mm-hmm. through. Mm-hmm. But by 1951... Um, the China Inland Mission has to leave China. Wow. Yeah. So they basically got kicked out. Yeah. It's crazy. It's, it's really, I think, I know we'll get more into the song in a second, but obviously the theme is very relevant that you have in modern day so many Christians who are in similar positions, so many Christians who have to um, flee, <laughs> flee their their tasks. I mean, we're not even talking natives. That's a whole nother subject. But obviously, if you're native to a country where it's illegal to be a Christian by um, by punishment of imprisonment or death, uh, which it's getting that way in China again. It's not quite there, but it's getting very close to that. Um, I think sometimes we think of these missionary stories, especially in our modern day, as like, oh, that was back in the day before that. But but it is going on right now. It is happening today in many countries around. And that's a hard decision. What do you do when you're a Christian facing um, life or death? Yeah. But you're there for the distinct purpose of spreading the gospel. It's not like, oh, I got a job in China and also I'm a Christian because, yes, there would be evangelism in that way as well. If you're a Christian and you're not evangelizing, we, you know, that we need to have a side conversation (laughs) in love. But if you're going specifically to be a missionary and to, you know, lift up and a, ter- a certain area with the gospel and you can't do that by fear of death. It is a hard thing. It is, I, don't, I know, I don't know if you're going to get into it, but I think it is a hard thing for us to wrestle with because we're so comfortable in the West. That just feels like a foreign thing, like an alien thing, like not of this world because we're so, well, you know, protected also- from it. Like with air travel and FaceTime, mm-hmm. it's so much easier just to to think, oh, it's fine. I can just leave because I can come back again and it's only like a 10 hour flight. Yeah. So I think the ease of communication and the ease of travel has maybe made us lose some of this. We're here for life and that yeah. potentially means here for death perspective. Yeah. Um, Because back then they would have had to sail all the way. Um. And you would have gone with the risk of, you know, all sorts of um, tropical diseases as well, because it wasn't even like you could get shots back then. So, yeah, yeah, he was in it for life, um, and it tells Mm -hmm. in his music. Yeah. 
But anyway, 1951, the whole organisation had to retreat. Um, he and his family returned to the UK, um, mm -hmm. where he continued to minister in the Church of England until he retired in 1963 and then passed away nine years later. Which is crazy wow. because not only did he have rubbish lungs, he had like a heart condition. Really? And his doctors were like, don't go to China, you're going to die. Um, but in the end, so if he died in 1972, he would have lived through two world wars, yeah. a cold war, the Spanish flu epidemic and the rise of nationalism and communism in China. Wow. Um so even apart from his health problems, it's amazing that he lived as long as he did. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah, he's an incredible guy. Um, a couple of things I thought were worth mentioning about his work in China um, that I appreciated were that first he was a strong believer in taking the gospel to people, planting churches, and then raising up and training workers who were local. Yeah. So... Um, Although he had a strong heart for mission work, mm -hmm. he didn't have that kind of almost colonial mm -hmm. perspective that yeah. many missionaries did have. Yeah. Um, he was kind of like, basically, our job's to make ourselves redundant. The Chinese church mm -hmm. should be able to grow itself. Yeah. Um, which is cool. I thought that was really cool. That's very cool. And I think it's something that might be missing in some even maybe missionary slash church planting efforts in our modern day you know um it's great to go to a place where there where the gospel is not being preached and you should go there and you should preach for preach for christ um but really i think there is um maybe a, a handicap not being a local and I say this from experience because I'm not from here um but you know the goal is always and I know that's the goal for um our church and many's many others like it is to raise up people from the area um yes to make us redundant and also to I think to the glory of God yeah you know to say these these people this people group this particular region um, they had no hope. And then now look at them. They're mm. raising up their own people who, to follow Christ. You know, I think that is, um, I think that's to the glory of God, honestly, Definitely. and not to the glory of us. Cause if we come in like, uh, you know, a white knight and we're like, look at us, we saved this people group. It's like, well, yeah. you know, first of all, it was God, not you, but two, like you should decrease. It should be like you left a footprint, but really it was God who really made the imprint in that area. And, you know, you were just a, a foot soldier in a line of many foot soldiers doing what you had to do, you know, yeah. I digress. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you're right. I think, all for all of us it should be you know when i die may my name die with me but may god's name go on and be glorified yeah, and amen. that's the perspective we need to have mm -hmm. um but i think maybe this kind of like well okay the other thing that i appreciated about his ministry was that he didn't push a westernized practice of church so he encouraged biblical worship that was definitely a priority Mm -hmm. But he also encouraged Chinese Christians to worship in a way that used appropriate aspects of their own culture. Mm -hmm. um, 
so it wasn't like you have to be suited and booted to come to church you mm-hmm. could just wear your normal whatever was the clothing at the time yeah um which some churches and some missionary organizations did not do yeah um and i think maybe that's why in many places still christianity is seen as a white western mm-hmm. thing um but that's a whole other conversation <laughs> It is, but it's kind of related to when we talked about gospel music. So if you guys haven't listened to our gospel music episode, you definitely should check it out. We'll leave a link in the description below. But I'll also put it in the cards so you can see yeah. it up here. Yes. Or up here. <laughs> Somewhere up there. Um, <laughs> but it is really um, interesting how culture influences the church and you know, in particular for this podcast, we're, we're, we're considering that in the form of music, but it does have implications on everything else. You know, we culturally say, oh, that's appropriate. That's not appropriate. And being foreigners in a foreign land, like we are, my husband and I both live in a place where we were not born in a culture that we're just starting to understand. Um, it actually is kind of beautiful to see God bring us together and help us to worship him freely, especially corporate worship, given that culturally we bring all different kinds of things to the table and, you know, understanding what lens do we say this is right or wrong? You know, we don't, we take off our cultural glasses and we put on our biblical glasses and we say through the lens of Christ, if I show up to church with no shoes and um and some shorts and a and a and a vest am i not honoring the lord well what in what in what biblical ways can we examine this and that's how we should be examining all that we do as a as a corporate church instead of being like well culturally you got to have on shoes you got to have on a black tie and whatever (laughs) That's there's no ties in ancient (laughs) in ancient uh, Israel. There's no ties like, you know, in Jerusalem, nobody was was wearing ties. If everybody was coming to synagogue in sandals that day. (laughs) Exactly. And also like the long like, I mean, they dress more like it in in the Middle East now than they um, than we do in the West. You know, we we should should we be wearing those like I forgot what they're called the you know the guys that wear the long thing it's not a dress but it has a special name and apparently it's very comfortable (laughs) but like (laughs) you know we you we can't I'm I'm obviously picking on clothing but in music as well it's the most visual thing isn't it it's the first thing you see yeah yeah so very interesting discussion maybe we'll get into that deeper at another (laughs) on another episode but we do touch on it a bit in our gospel episode so like we said you should go check it out if you haven't already definitely um yeah I wasn't actually gonna say that much about Frank Houghton's life but these were some of the things that Mm -hmm. as I was reading I was kind of like these are good conversations I have Mm -hmm. um particularly um at the moment Mm -hmm. so the only other thing we really know about him was that he wrote a few books uh the titles of which elude me but (laughs) a lot of them were on mission Mm -hmm. um you could probably find them pretty easily. I believe the OMF might still stock them or be able to point you where to find them. Right. Um, and he wrote a lot of poetry and hymns. Um, wow. Another poet. It was on, sorry? Another poet. Another poet. It was almost like a journal, but in verse. 
Um, you can kind of trace his life through all the poems he wrote. Wow. He actually wrote, do you know this song, Thou Who Was Rich Beyond All Splendor? It's slightly obscure. Maybe. I might have heard it or sang it once, but it's not ringing any bells. It's more of a Christmasy one. It doesn't come out a lot during the year. Okay. Um, but he wrote that. And mm-hmm. it was written in some rather trying and tragic circumstances. Um, but we'll talk about that another day. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's Frank Cotton. Um, and he's most, he's not our most recent hymn writer. But, you know, he's one of our more recent ones. He only mm-hmm. died like 30 years, 50 years ago. Like, <laughs> sorry. 30. Wait, no, 50. <laughs> I was like, 70s, they're only 30 years ago. Yeah. I was like, they're not. <laughs> Time um, has moved very swiftly. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's his life um do you have any thoughts on that or anything you kind of wanted to draw out or no I think that was I think that was a great um look into him particularly and I think those thoughts I shared cool um so the story behind him uh is pretty straightforward mm-hmm. there's not a ton about how it was written or when it was written or anything mm-hmm. um and to be honest i thought it was way older than it actually is um mm-hmm. i thought it was like victorian or something yeah um but it was written less than 100 years ago um <laughs> it was during the 1930s that this song first started to be used okay uh, so like i said it was a time when christians were beginning to be forced out of china mm-hmm. uh chinese christians were beginning to be persecuted yeah um I think the St- uh, the Stamps family, there was a couple, um, I think it was John and Betty or something, and they were martyred. Oh. Um, so they were missionaries for CIM. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was kind of that, that was the background going on. And OMF or CIM at the time had a prayer conference because the situation was escalating. Um wow. And that's where this hymn debuted, was at this conference. Oh, lovely. Yeah, it's really nice. Um, At this time, they had actually issued a call for 200 missionaries to dedicate their lives to go to China. Wow. Yeah. Um, And it wasn't even like this was just like, come for a month or two and help us out. It was 200 people, because they did get 200. Wow. and every one of them was willing to go down and lay down everything they had to go preach the gospel in China. Wow. So sickness and violence and potentially even death in a foreign country in a world away was what they were signing up for. That's dedication. But I think it's also important to note that that is the power and the grace of God that he could give us that sort of boldness because no one has that boldness in themselves. You can't just pull yourself up by your bootstraps and be like, all right, I'm about to go die. You know, it takes prayer and communion with God in order to be empowered in that way. And I think sometimes you could listen to that and go, wow, I'm, I'm a mess. I'm pathetic. I'm not, you know, I, I'd be terrified to do something like that, but everyone is. And I think it's yeah. God's grace that he empowers people to do it and convicts them. You know, it's kind of like, I'm trying to think of an example <laughs> that's not too personal, but, um, it's kind of like, 
I'm just going to say the example because it's in my head, but it's kind of like if you are willing and able to care for someone, whether it's a widow or an orphan or anything like that, that conviction to actually sacrifice your own personal, whatever it might be, finances, time, comfort to do that, you know, that's the Holy Spirit moving you. And then the then the power to do it, that's the Holy Spirit moving you. And to stay with it when it's really tough, that's the Holy Spirit working in you and sanctifying you and growing you. And I think, you know, we we should be challenged when we hear that, but we shouldn't go, oh, we're so pathetic. We should turn to the Lord in prayer and ask him for guidance and discernment on how we can serve him better and that might be in a dramatic way like picking up your bags and going to China um, with your whole family never to see the people back home again or it might mean uh, something not as dramatic but possibly just as impactful yeah amen to that Mm. I mean we'll get to that when we get to the final verse of this hymn (laughs) we'll talk about that a little more But yeah, these people who were signing up to go to China had no expectation of ever coming back, really. Yeah. Um, Which makes me kind of sad because I think we've lost something of that these days. Um, Yeah. Okay. On to the lyrics. Uh, (laughs) I have a lot of thoughts on like mission and stuff. I was Um, actually just thinking we should have a whole separate conversation offline about missionaries (laughs) because I have so many thoughts that aren't necessarily within the scope of this podcast, but I have so many thoughts that this is making me think of. Yeah. (laughs) It's funny though, because, um, um, for a long time, nobody had ever, I didn't have like a biblical view of mission because nobody I knew had a biblical view of mission and nobody had mm-hmm. sat down and explained it to me. Yeah. Um, so my views have changed a lot over the last 10 years or so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to read you the lyrics because they're just so darn good. Do it, girl. Okay, so facing a task unfinished that drives us to our knees, the trials which undiminished rebuke our slothful ease, We who rejoice to know thee, renew before thy throne the solemn vow we owe thee to go and make thee known. Where other lords beside thee hold their unhindered sway, where forces that defy thee defy thee still today, with none to heed their crying for life and love and light, unnumbered souls are dying and pass into the night. We bear the torch that flaming fell from the hands of those who gave their lives proclaiming that Jesus died and rose. Ours is the same commission, the same glad tidings ours, fired by the same ambition, to thee we yield our powers. Hmm. O Father who sustained them, O Spirit who inspired, Saviour whose love constrained them to toil with zeal untired, from cowardice defend us, from lethargy awake, forth on thine errands send us to labour for thy sake. Amen. Basically, uh, everything we just discussed is in that song. Like, all, like almost every single one of the themes that we just discussed is like there, you know. Yeah. I love the imagery of the grabbing the flaming torch. It like, you know, like if you're in a relay race, yeah. you're literally. And I think that's that's the exact image that that song brings to my head is that you're in a race and you're about to pass the baton back. And then the person behind you just got to grab it and they got to, you know, it's just kind of 
that is this entire life until Christ returns. You know, you and I would not, I'll get emotional. (laughs) You and I (laughs) would not be Christians if somebody wasn't running the race before us and giving, you know what I'm saying? If someone hadn't delivered the good news to us the way they had received it, you know, as Paul says in his letter, we wouldn't be Christians. There would be no him partial, sad news, <laughs> but it wouldn't, <laughs> more importantly, we wouldn't have new life. And I think that's, that's the, I feel like when the congregation sings this song, they feel like, yes, amen, because it really is kind of like a pep, what is it? Not a pep talk. It is a pep talk, but you know, before they go out to the game, you know, yeah, the coach it's comes like the and big speech before the battle. You know, the St. Crispin's Day speech if you're a a Shakespeare fan or the Aragorn (laughs) storming the gates of Mordor if you're not a Shakespeare fan. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So that is why, though, we sing it when missionaries are here or during weeks of evangelism Mm -hmm. is because it is a great hymn and it does light that fire under you. Yeah. Uh, Because what you sing affects how you think, how you feel, how you pray, how you act. Um, and to use a Scottish fra- phrase, this song is a belter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, Frank Houghton was a guy who understood the power of song, um, yeah. both to unite us and to fire us up. Yeah. So structurally, this is amazing. This hymn, it's really clever. Um, it has a beautiful movement. So you got the first verse that alerts us to the need and rebukes us for our idleness. Mm-hmm. And then you got second verse that shows us the reality and the weight of the problem. And mm-hmm. it uh, doesn't pull any punches with the language. Uh, that line, unnumbered souls are dying and passing to the night, is one that still makes me really emotional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then in the third verse, uh, you got the mi- reminder of the others who've gone before us um, and the reminder of their courage, which kind of spurs us to continue on. Yes. Um, and then we've got a beautiful Trinitarian plea that God would help us fulfill the task. Yes. Um, because if you sang just like the first three verses, you'd be like, oh my goodness, how do we do this? Yeah. Um, but that final verse is like, don't forget that this is God's doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any other thoughts on the I like lyrics? The, I like the line, removes our, what is it? Removes our slothful ease. <laughs> it's like, rebukes our slothful rebukes ease. Our slothful yeah. ease. It's I'm like, just like guilty, you know, <laughs> you're like, come on, but I love my Netflix. <laughs> the other one that makes me feel like is uh, from Cowardice Defend Us from Lethargy Awake. And I'm yeah. like, that's me. I'm sorry. But, you know, it is an honest prayer. It is an honest yeah. prayer. And I think that that's what I was trying to say earlier. And if you guys take anything away from this, take this away. It is the honest prayer of the Christian for Christ to help us, to enable us not to be selfish, self-centered, you know, cowardly people. That is our natural inclination. That is my natural inclination. It's only by the grace of God that I have moments when I'm not that way and that I have opportunities when I'm not that way to share the gospel even if it means whatever the Western version of persecution is, which is nothing like what was going on during Houghton's day. Uh, But, you know, that could change. Yeah. 
hope it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. But maybe we need to be woken a bit from our lethargy. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. Oh, man. I was thinking, um, actually, a lot of these missionaries that we put up on a pedestal, guys like Hudson Taylor and Adoniram Judson and Amy Carmichael and stuff, just want to mm-hmm. let you guys know they were all cowards. It was just that, you know, God gave them the courage they needed when they needed it. So if you're a coward, it's totally okay. God gives us the grace <laughs> we need. It's not okay. But you know what I mean? God gives you the grace you need when you're you need in good it. company if you are a coward, but you also have great hope that that's not your uh, final or permanent state. Uh, God is gracious and he does empower lots of cowards to do what he needs them to do. I mean, look at Moses. <laughs> Moses yeah. was like, no, 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 no. I can't speak. I, no, I just, no, I don't really want to do it. <laughs> Yeah. So the Gettys um, are responsible for beginning to bring this back into Mm. more popular usage again, which I'm really grateful to them for. Um, My only issue is that I don't like the chorus that they put in. Do they add a chorus? Yeah. Uh. It was like, I mean... Eh. Think you can't add to greatness. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> it wasn't terrible. Yeah. But you know, I'm not adding little hair clips to the Mona Lisa or anything. So. But maybe you should. Not just kidding. <laughs> that actually makes sense. Why I only heard this song coming here because I feel like the, uh, I feel like the. Um, Getty's influence is obviously international, but it's obviously much bigger in the UK and Ireland because of their proximity. They live yeah. there. So it, it makes more sense that it, I was kind of hearing it for the first time coming across the pond because their influence is just greater here. Yeah. It also just hasn't been used all that much. Yeah. Um, or all that widely for a long Mm. time Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and I think there was an anniversary or something and OMF specifically asked the Gettys to kind of spruce it up and all right that makes sense yeah there are those who would say it's fallen out of usage because it was a hymn for that specific time Mm. which makes sense um, because we don't well in the sense that we don't live in the same circumstances Um, there are loads of missionaries all over the world today you know but I disagree I think (laughs) yeah I disagree as well I think actually we've just slipped back into that slothful ease from verse one yeah um which I'm the first to hold up my hand and plead guilty to yeah um hymns like this should be in our hymn books because you know they're a good reminder to us of the urgency of the gospel and the seriousness of it um but also the power of the gospel Mm mm-hmm um so as we finish up, I thought maybe you could just talk quickly about what the unfinished task actually is. Mm-hmm. Um, so we could quote you statistics about how it's estimated that about a third of the global population doesn't have access to the gospel or know mm-hmm. anyone that could share it with them. Um, mm-hmm. We could quote numbers of peoples who live in countries where Christianity is banned on pain of death. But the task unfinished isn't out there somewhere in deepest darkest peru it begins at home yes um and i'm talking to myself as much as to you um sometimes it's easier to pick up and go to a foreign country than it is to talk to your neighbors (laughs) yes it's very Um, true 
yeah um so you know like that that unsafe person in your family or the neighbor that you talk to about the weather or the colleague that you talk to about the football but you never mm. talked about anything else these are the unnumbered souls um and i think that should lend us some urgency yeah um and it should like the first verse says drive us to our knees mm-hmm. um but i reckon you probably don't need to go more than 20 feet from where you are right now to find someone who is not a believer mm-hmm. um, and I think sometimes we get so caught up in the idea of some other country where mm. you know it's North Korea which is super tight and very unfriendly so it needs the gospel but actually we need the gospel just as much here um, absolutely and and that is the daily challenge for the Christian really because if we don't have it, it kind of raises it kind of to go back to like orphans, for example, you know, there are some people who have it on their heart to adopt children, say from China, because for a very long time, children in China, uh, you can only have one child. I'm not sure if that law is still in existence or being enforced. I think but, you can have two now. Yeah. So when people had more, they would basically just drop them off at orphanages and it literally be like a hundred children to one carer. It was, it was insane. And if the children were very ill, they basically would let them die because they didn't have the resources. It wasn't like state funded for them to be able to care for orphans. Um, It was really just donations. And so people, I know people personally who had it on their heart to adopt children from China. And so they did, they have five children and they're all from China, but that doesn't mean that there aren't people in your neighborhood, children in your neighborhood that don't, that need adopting, you know, it's just an example, right? And it's not to say one life is more valuable than the other. It's just, if God's convicted you and put this in your line of view and you have the means and the desire and the and are on your knees praying for it then go do it and trust in the lord you know that might mean a missionary effort in yemen or iran right where it's not great to be a christian it might mean a missionary effort in your local community where you know people don't know god and that is it's not to say one life means more than the other. Like those people in Yemen need it more than the people in Scotland. No, the the need for Christ is universal. We are all condemned to death. And so the rescue mission is just as urgent at home as it is abroad. There's not, we don't show partiality, you know, wherever Christ could be yeah. proclaimed, let's proclaim him and let's do what we can for as long as we're on this earth absolutely so let's renew before the throne the solemn pledge we owe christ to go and make him known um monet just to finish up could you read to us psalm 96 oh sing to the lord a new song sing to the lord all the earth sing to the lord bless his name tell of his salvation from day to day declare his glory among the nations his marvelous works among all the peoples for great is the lord and greatly to be praised he is to be feared above all gods 
For all the gods of the people are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. Amen. Go share the gospel, people. Go share the gospel. So that just about wraps up this episode, a very encouraging, challenging episode of Him Partial. Like we said at the beginning of the episode, if you liked what you heard, if you think someone might be encouraged or challenged by this episode, go ahead and share this episode. That would be fantastic. Um, if you're on YouTube, give us a like. And if you want to sign up for our newsletter, that's himpartial.com. If you need it spelled, it's H-Y-M-N-P-A-R-T-I-A-L.com. It's a mouthful. And you could get our weekly newsletter, which is pretty cool. We've alluded to it a few times in this episode. Uh, but until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Bye.